at the at the the title, and you know, you can refer to your handout and look. Just look at the image with me, if you will. Um, started just kind of looking at the the title and the and the image, and, and I started thinking, you know, wow, you know, so a lot of times photos will kind of uh, touch up and touch up the rough spots, right, and make it look almost kind of surreal or perfect. And but this photo, as I and when I first saw the photo, that's what I saw. I was like, oh, you know, it's beautiful hands and, and beautiful flower. And, but then I started looking a little bit closer and I realized, you know, those hands are actually pretty rugged. You know, I mean, I started looking at them and, I, and first thing I noticed was, you know, his uh, thumbnails and stuff. I was like, man, you know, you could use like a little, uh, you know, manicure kind of thing, you know, something happening there. I mean, it's kind of rough and, and rugged. And, and then I started thinking a life, you know, a life worth giving. And I thought, you know, life uh, is, is hard. You know, life is, is, life is filled with hard, hard times and hard work and, um, and also a lot of great times too. Um, but I started thinking those hands kind of represent life to me and represent the, the hardness and the ruggedness of life. And then out of the, that ruggedness, out of that hardness comes this beautiful flower, perfectly symmetrical. You know, you look at a flower and you think, oh, you know, you reflect and you think, you know, there has to be a God to create such an amazing thing. It's just symmetrically perfect. You know, where we are imperfect and where we are rugged and rough around the edges, God is, is perfect and beautiful. There's something, but notice the connection. I mean, the flower's not off on the edge somewhere, right? The flower is actually within us, within our life, and it's coming out of our life. And to me, that's what a life worth giving, and I, I'd like to focus more on service, because that's just an area that I, that I feel like I want to share out of, because I was, as I was looking at the three topics, I was thinking, I could share on any of those. I mean, I, I have stories and, and experiences in, in this church as a pastor to share on a variety of topics, but something about service stuck out to me after I had read the title, A Life Worth Giving. A life worth giving. And I kept just saying that over and over in my mind, and kept thinking those words together, life worth and giving, that they're so interconnected, right? And we, we, give, we give out of our, our, our worth. And when we feel worthless, we're less likely to give because we, we don't feel like we have anything to give. We feel like we have nothing. And, and that, that brings me to sharing a part of my life where, where I, I kind of moved into a period of, of feeling worthless. And it started really, it started I would say I had been in pursuit of a dream in my life, and that dream was actually to become an international opera singer, opera star. That was my dream. I know it's, it's hard to believe, but that was, that, that was it. You know, I had been involved in music from really all my life, you know, in church singing and things like that, but, but started being involved in choirs in fourth grade. And, taking piano lessons, just music was a part of my life. And, and then when I got into my 20s, I started pursuing, actually pursuing it as, as, as a livelihood, as a career. And I, and I spent a lot of money and a lot of time, a lot of resources. And when I didn't have the money, I would borrow the money to spend in, into that dream to be an opera singer. That was my dream. And I poured my life into it. And, and I... I really, you know, when I think about it, I think that that was half of my life that I spent pursuing that dream. And so when you pour everything you have into something, and then what started to happen was uh, my wife and I moved to San Francisco in, in 1995, and, and 
we, we arrived and I had just, I had just finished my master's degree in music. I'd kind of reached that ultimate point. I, you know, I I'd worked hard and I felt like I had, you know, the, the, the degree and, the, and all of the, the experience and I was going to go for it. We arrived here and I had to get a job, a day job, which, you know, when you're a singer, artist, dancer, whatever, whatever you may do, you know that you need kind of a day job. Um, so I, I went out and I got my job and I got a job in an office and I was really good at office work because all through my 20s I, I temped in offices as a way to kind of pay, pay for my voice lessons. And I, I, I get into to, to this office and I'm, I'm working, I become an office manager and simultaneously I'm, I'm, I'm still hoping and dreaming for, for, for this dream to come true. Yet I'm starting to feel stuck and, and I'm starting to feel like, you know, the dream is starting to, to be shut down in a way. You know, and I started really, you know, it, it was hard. It was hard because I, I had this dream. I was working. I was, you know, making money to live. But, but I, I, there was this struggle, you know, and I found myself sitting in this gray cubicle going, you know, God, I'm... I'm an opera singer, I'm not an office manager, and I was just, just struggling with it. But, you know, I thought I could talk about it and talk about the struggle and try to verbalize it, but it's really hard to verbalize. So I want to kind of show you a, a dramatization um, of, of that struggle. So we'll just take a look at this dramatization.
Oh. Oh, isn't it good to laugh? Oh. I, I love laughing at myself, too. Um, yeah, it, it was so much fun making that and just reflecting back on, you know, the struggle. And you know, I have to be honest, I mean, it, it, I laugh about it now and I can laugh about it, you know, removed from it. But at the time, I, I know, now I know, and I can, I can truly say what it, what it truly means to go through depression in life. And I know we throw that term out a lot, you know, and it covers, uh, you know, many, there are many different levels of depression. But I, I, I must say that that was a period where I, now that I look back on it, I didn't know at the time that that's what was happening to me, but I was starting to just kind of shut down. I was starting to feel just, just like really kind of losing my, 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 my will to live, my, my desire to live, because all of my life, was, energy and everything was poured into this, this dream. And, and so my worth, you can, I can truly say that my worth was all tied up in that, in that dream. And when that dream started being kind of closed down, I, felt like, I just felt worthless. I felt like I had nothing to give. I felt like God, and, and the hard thing for me at the time was, is I kept talking to God saying, God, I thought this is what you said for me to do. I mean, why would, I, why would all these doors open and all through my, my you know, teens and then 20s that there, these doors would open and I would get into music school and, and, and go in this area and then why now? I don't understand. Well, I was reading, there, there's a character in the Bible, and, and I want to bring our attention to, to the text that I, I would focus on today. And it's about a character, and it is in your handout, in, in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings, uh, a character named Elijah. And that name m may not mean anything uh, to some of us. Um, we may have never heard the name at all. Um, but Elijah was this great man. He was a prophet. He was a prophet was someone who, who God gave authority to speak truth, and usually to speak truth to, the, to those in authority, right? And so he not only gave them the, the truth, but he gave them authority to speak to kings and queens, and that's what Elijah did. He spoke truth. He's in truth meaning things that people didn't want to hear, right? But they needed to hear it, and, and Elijah spoke that truth. And, and he was also involved in, in miracles, the miracle of, of healing a young one, and the miracle of, of proving the existence of God in a moment where there was this worship of other gods, and, and Elijah was there to show that God truly existed. And so he was, you could say that he was a man at the top of his career, his profession. He was at the very top, the pinnacle. An amazing character, an amazing study in itself that we could just study Elijah and, and really learn so much from him. Yet, we come to this, this verse that I put in your handout, 1 Kings 19, verse 4. And it says, Then Elijah went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. I mean, to me already, this doesn't sound like a man who's at the top of everything, a person who's at the top. Why, why is he going off to be alone? You know, shouldn't he be going in to, to join the, the festivities? But he's going off alone. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. He I mean, I read that and I'm like, what? I mean, if you read the previous two chapters, it's like, you're praying that you might die? I, I don't get it. And, and then he says, and this, Lord, I've had enough. 
I've had enough. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. I mean, he basically just speaks death on his life. He basically is saying here, I am worthless. I am nothing. And I think one, one thought I have from that is that I, I, I love how God gives us stories in the Bible. You know, he not only gives us stories about these great victories, right? But he gives, and, and these great people of God. But he gives us, he shows them at their lowest moments. And he shows us that, that these people are real, that they're going through struggle and they're going through hardship and they're going through depression. So when I read about Elijah, I think of that period in my life and I think, man, you know, I, I, I felt low like that. I felt like, well, if God, if I've been doing this all my life, if I've been striving towards this and now it's not there, what, what am I worth? What, and maybe all of us, and I do, I think that all of us have those experiences. Maybe not, you know, really, really deep or dark, or, but, but we all, even daily, we go through disappointments. You know, disappointments in our jobs or with the people that we're closest to. Um, disappointments in, 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 in our country and in everything that we can think of. We, we have disappointments. Why, why, God? Where we ask why. And, and so I was at that point. I can relate to Elijah at that point. And, and, and I think we can all relate to Elijah. But I, I'd like to share really how, how God um, helped to restore something in me. Ultimately, God restored my worth. And, and I'd like to share just kind of how that happened. And it happened through this church, actually. We were, as I said, we, we came into this church in uh, early 1996, and um, again, around that time was when I was struggling, when I was, you know, opera office manager, and just really going through that, that struggle. And I was involved, I started just being involved in this church in small ways, and um, I, I remember the first thing I did was I ushered, and I was involved in small groups, and, and then one, one day, uh, one of the pastors stopped me in front of the church and, and kind of had an urgency about him. And he, he said, hey, Marty, we, we need you in, in the Easter play. And we had just watched the Easter play the first year we came, and we were just really impressed with it. And just, wow, this is so great. And so then he came to me, and he was like, we really need you in the Easter play. And I have to be honest with you, you know, inside, you know, my, my ego was simultaneously stroked. And at the same time, I was kind of thinking church play, and, you know, I'm an opera singer. I... I've, you know, I have a degree, I'm, I'm going on to the Met, and, you know, I, <laughs> church play, you know, Met, church play, Met, you know, it just, it, it just wasn't working for me, right? So, but, you know, being, trying to, none of, no one knew that at the time, so I just swallowed my pride, and I, I came to the rehearsal, and I open up to see my role, and, um, and it says, Roman soldier. I'm like... <laughs> Like, come on, Roman soldier? I mean, and I, you know, so again, I'm thinking, oh, I worked so hard, so hard at preparing, and, and, and I'm going to be a Roman soldier. And, and, you know, come on, I mean, at least I could be like one of the disciples or something, you know? And, and so I was struggling, and, but I, I started going to the rehearsals, and I, the thing about that role, this role ended up being... Now that I look back, because I went on to do other roles in, in Easter plays after that, but this particular role was the role that God designed for me 
in that moment of my life to teach me a lesson. Because that Roman soldier was the soldier who drove the nails into the hands and feet of Jesus on the cross. And as you see, he's there preparing now the cross for Jesus. And so I was a part of this play where literally I pounded that hammer hundreds of times through all the rehearsals and through all of the presentations, pounding one nail after another. And God was doing something in me because the pounding that I was, I was doing at first was just anger, honestly. Just anger at God, why am I here? Why am I doing this insignificant role? What, what, why? Why, am I, what, why did I work so hard for this? For this. Yet every time I pounded those nails, my heart, what happened was the opposite. My heart started getting softer. My heart started seeing Honestly, I just started looking. I am, I am pounding the nails into the, into the hands and feet of Jesus. And I started realizing the, that how much God gave to us. That what truly He gave His life away. And it, and it started breaking my heart. And it started making me realize how my ego and my pride were just eating me alive. And how I wanted so much to be something that I had painted a picture of. And I wanted to be that, yet God was saying, look, look at me. Look at what I've done for you. And as, as, you, as we see Jesus die on the cross, honestly, and someone pointed this out to me earlier, it's, it's like we die. There's a part of us that dies. And sometimes our dreams have to die. And my dream was dying. And, and the beautiful thing about the cross is it doesn't just end with a death. It, it, it really, it, 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 beyond the cross is life. And so God was showing me as I'm pounding the nails, you're dying to this dream, but there's life beyond, there's more beyond. And, and so I went on from that moment. Now I want to share with you just a, a few just life lessons, really that kind of come out of that experience and out of that, that, that season of my life. Now, one of the lessons, and, and really the most important lesson, is that our worth is not in opera singing, not in our career, but our worth is first and foremost in Christ. And this was a lesson that I just had to learn. I had to learn for myself. And, it's, and I know we can read that statement, and, and it's just a, it's a beautiful statement. It's true. But we may, we may all be struggling with that statement in, in different ways. In fact, I know that we all are. But I know that I learned through that season that my worth is in Christ. You know, there's a few scriptures that I put in your handout that I, I separated the, the, there's two columns here. One of them is unworthiness and the other is worthiness. And the unworthiness put the scripture of Elijah, you know, to show. And there's many, many more examples of of, of people, Moses, David, Job, uh, the woman at the well, so many of, of in a place of complete unworthiness. But then on the other side, I put worthiness. And there's this first scripture, Ephesians 2.10, is one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. Because it's Paul speaking to the Ephesians, and he says, for we are God's masterpiece. I mean, he's saying this to us. We are his masterpiece. 
And, you know, and we read that, and, and all of us are reading that now thinking, you know, I don't feel like a masterpiece. You know, a masterpiece is, is something that's perfect. It's something like that flower. It's, it, that's not me. I mean, that's how I felt. I'm not a masterpiece. I couldn't, even, I couldn't even really get my dream. I couldn't get to it. You know, I failed. I kept hearing those words, I failed, I failed. But no, God's saying, Marty, you are his masterpiece right where you are. And we are his masterpiece, created for good things, for good works that God prepared for us long ago. And then the next scripture is in Philippians. Paul, again, speaking to the church, the people, saying, there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work, there it is again, we're a great work. God thinks that I'm, I'm great. That word, great. You know, I think of great as, you know, all the people... You know, you think of greatness as what we see represented in the media or in film. But God's saying, no, greatness is right here, right here in this room. We are great in his eyes. He loves us. We have worth. He started a great work in us. And he would keep at it, our tenacious God, keeping at this work that he started in us and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ appears. And the next one says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We are new in Christ. When we choose to follow him, it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that we're not going to get, get dirt on our hands. But it means that God is with us, that God is there in the midst of our life. So that is a lesson, my worth, our worth is in Christ. Secondly, serving in small ways makes a big difference. Often we, you know, it's, it's amazing how when we get motivated, we read a good book, we hear a good, a, a good sharing at church, or we talk to a friend who motivates us, and immediately we think, Mother Teresa, Nobel Peace Prize. We think, Let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. And, we, and, and, and part of it is, that's not a bad thing to think that way. We want to strive to be the best ever. But often we, we set this bar immediately, and it's like we cannot get anywhere near it. We set ourselves up for failure, and that's why I feel like small things... And this is part of how God brought me out of this un unworthiness that I felt, this depression that I was in, this pit. Part of that coming out of that was, was one, recognizing that my worth is in Christ, even though today I don't feel like that, but I'm going I'm I'm to claim that, that truth. And then serving in small ways. Serving in small ways in the church, like I said, ushering, um, and being involved in small groups, being a, a lowly Roman soldier with an insignificant task. And, but I thought of uh, another example in my office where I was the opera office manager. I had, you know, I kind of, I was fixing copiers and ordering office supplies and helping new employees come in. And, and I, I found myself getting kind of bored, thinking, I, I want to do something. I want to I, I do something to help somebody here, you know, beyond just getting them pencils. And so I, I just kind of, I think God just put this in my heart. I was saying, you know, we don't, we do nothing for birthdays in our office, you know, and, and I just, I love birthdays. I love singing happy birthday and I love celebrating birthdays. It's just fun. And so I thought, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, I went in the records because I had access to all the records and I got everybody's birthday and I put it on my calendar and I just decided I'm just going to make a cake for everyone's birthday. There were about 40 people in the office, and, and it was all spread out kind of nicely around the year. 
and I'm just going to make a cake. And so I went and I, I bought like, you know, three or four Betty Crocker cake mixes and the, the pre-made frosting, right? And I, because I thought, you know, this is just a small thing. I can pour the batter in and add the water and, and put it in the oven and bake it. And then I'd slap the icing on it, you know, and then I'd take it to the person and we'd all gather around and we'd sing happy birthday to the person and, and, and just bless them. And you know, even the, you know the the most curmudgeon, uh, the biggest curmudgeons of the office, you know, would would kind of uh, bristle when I would come around with the cake, you know, and and but even the the biggest curmudgeon of them all would kind of crack a smile and would I, I would see that there was something in that, and you know, I started really that 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 act started really blessing me, and I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we need to do things to make ourselves feel better. What I'm saying is that when I started serving in a small way, God started filling me up. I started just feeling like I had worth. And I had always heard and I've always read theoretically that you know, when we're depressed, you know, it's, it's, we're turned inward. You know, it's, it's the ultimate in just self-focus. And when we focus only on, our, on ourselves, we, we will fail ourselves because we will not give life to ourselves. We need others. We need to serve. And that a way out of a depressed state is to just give, to give our lives away. And so I started taking a healthy pride in that, in that cake making. And I went out and I bought myself one of those cake decorating kits. You know, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start upgrading these cakes, you know? I mean, so I still got the Betty Crocker and the, and the, the you know, the already made frosting. But I got my cake decorating kit, and I, and I wrote their name in the cake. Because I wanted them to have their name on that cake. And then I would present that cake to them. Now it, was a, now it was a gift with their name on it, that they had recognition, that someone recognized them. And there was something just, it, even thinking about it, it's such a blessing to, to give something to someone that's just small. It, it's, it wasn't a difficult thing to do, and it started helping me come out of this pit that I felt I was in, this worthlessness. Now, the third area is um, when we give with our natural abilities, it helps us to develop our spiritual ones. So when we, when we serve with our natural gifts. So see, I was in a place of, of serving with just what I could do naturally. Like, I can, I can bake a cake. I mean, I can follow directions, right? We can all follow directions. I can, I can uh, help someone. I can open a door. I can, I can do things. I, and, and for me, I, I knew I could sing. I could act because I had trained in that. It was a natural ability. So I could be in an Easter play. And, and I, could, I could give in that way. And, and, but from what happened for me is as I started to give in those ways, in those natural abilities, I started to discover that there were spiritual gifts that I had. And, that, and spiritual gifts are a whole study in itself in the New Testament. Several areas of the New Testament that talk about spiritual gifts such as serving and helping and, and, and giving and, and all the things that we're talking about and encouragement. But what happened with me is I was serving, I started learning that I had a gift of encouragement. It wasn't just about baking a cake, it was about encouraging that person. I wanted to encourage them. I didn't want to just give them you know, empty calories. I wanted, to, I wanted them to be blessed. And through that giving, my, my giving of from my life, I started getting life. 
You know, I mean, the Bible does say it's more blessed, it's more, it's better to give than to receive, right? And yeah, we can say that in theory, but when we actually do it, I talk to so many people in our community that always say, I think almost everyone I speak with says, you know, I, I, I give, I serve here or there, but I always get back more than what I give. At the end of the day, I may be in a hard moment, I may be in, you know, it may be kind of stressful, but in the end, I always get, get more, you know, and that's a principle. That is such a beautiful principle of God is that when we give our lives away, we, we receive something. We receive worth. We receive worth. And so for me, going from the, this, this kind of humble place where God humbles me as a Roman soldier, I started to do other things in the church. I started, to, uh, I started a choir and was involved with a choir for about five years and started using my natural abilities. But through that experience, started to see that, I, that, that there were pastoral abilities. And, and through that experience, I, I went on to, to take on a role in this church as, as in pastoral care and in helping people connect. And I start to see, I look back and I think, well, was that time wasted? And it's often a question, you know, well, I mean, you trained to be an opera singer for 10 years, and, and then now, you know, you're a pastor, and, and was that time wasted? And I, I don't believe in a minute of that time was wasted, because I believe the God that we love and the God that loves us can take moments, can take things good and bad in our lives, and can redeem them for his purposes. And so my training, my, my experiences, my dying to that dream were all part of God's plan for my life. And God's plan is still unfolding in my life as it's unfolding in all of our lives. So I want to just encourage, I want to encourage us as, as I close, I just want to encourage us to really, all of us to think, as we go into the week, think about our worth. You know, ask yourself, what is my life worth? Ask God, what, God, what is my life worth? I don't feel worth anything right now. What is my worth? And, and, and challenge that. Challenge that and hear the scripture. Hear Ephesians 2.10 say, I am his masterpiece. I don't feel like it, but I know that God sees me that way. And as we consider our worth, act on it in small ways. Act on it in small ways, in your office, in your community. Act on it. Take a connection class. Find a place to serve. I know this church looks like it, it, it doesn't need any help because everything looks like it's running just perfectly, and it is running well. But that, just because of that, it doesn't mean that there's not a need for everyone to come and to take part. It's not about getting the job done. It's about giving our life away. That song that we sing, rise, rise, people of God, rise, give your lives away. God gave his life away so that we could follow after that model. And that is an awesome thing. And I just pray you go into the week giving your life away in a small way. So the, uh, we're going to have the band come forward and the ushers come forward as well to take our offering. The band is going to do a closing song that really, it, there's a lot in this song, but particularly there's a, there's a moment in the lyrics where it says, but you have never left me. I have sunken inward and scattered out again, and you have never left. And when I saw that, I have sunken inward, I think of just being depressed and feeling worthless. 
And then you, we see in this song, but if I'm brave, I'll find my place. I'll find my place. So I just want to close in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for loving us, God. Lord, you love us so much. And, and so often we, we, we just shut our, our ears and, and, and we, we won't listen to you, God, or we won't listen to the encouragement of others. I pray that you would open our ears, Lord. Open our hearts so that we would hear the truth that you are speaking to us today, that we have worth and that we do have something to give away. And I pray for all, all of us who are pursuing a dream right now. We all are, Lord. We're all pursuing a dream. I pray, Lord, that that dream would be molded and shaped and that we would allow you to mold and shape that dream into your dream, Lord, for our lives. We pray that that would just become more and more evident as we serve in small ways and as we give our life away. In the name of Jesus, amen.